0: Welcome to Pop-Up Submissions Live. So many good things for you on today's show, especially if you happen to like through us. But first, as they always say on YouTube, give us a like, why don't you? Before we meet today's guests, let me give you some news. Consider yourself invited to August's book club meeting on Saturday the 12th of August at 8 o'clock in the evening, 8pm UK time, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon East Coast. You can uh, work out the other combinations uh, for yourself. It's Naomi Novik's riff on Rumpelstiltskin, Spinning Silver. If you like fantasy, you're going to have a feast, I think. Go to club.litopia.com for more information. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Yeah, let's give an unruly welcome to the entirely fabulous Tiffany Yates-Martin. Oh, yeah. Hi, all. If you have got a submission on today's show, consider yourself fortunate that TYM will be looking at it together with the near-legendary John Duffy. Yeah, plus the Empyrean Genius Room on full throttle Let's get those submissions under audition. And here we go. Submission number one. It's from Jack. And as I always say, if you're with us live at the moment, Jack, give us a wave, please. YouTube chat room is the right place to do that. We would love to hear from you. It's a metaphysical horror slash thrower. And it's called Body Switch. This is Jack's blurb. Charity worker Jack Madigan has the perfect life. His wife Kerry is about to have their first child. Sadistic sociopath Ernie Mason, a poor black kid, brutalised by a life of abuse and crime, steals a car. And joyriding hits Kerry, killing her instantly and killing himself. Broken, Jack has made an unearthly offer to say goodbye to Kerry on the other side but he must let a departed soul occupy his body in return mason wakes as a white dude with a new life till jack wants his body back hmm. that's ghost isn't it oh it's some um, it's those body swap it's a body swap thing isn't it big yeah um this is about jack i went to art school busked all over europe being a film extra then I did a host of jobs before training as a journalist. Played rugby till marriage and children took precedence. I've always written with the dream of publication. and have a number of finished books in the bottom drawer. One of my books was long for a CWA debut Dagger Award. Hmm. Well, let's see if we can uh, move it slowly, nudge it slowly along to even further success, which we're going to do via this amazingly capable reading from Martin.
1: Body Switch by Jack, read by Martin. In a frozen New York City, the countdown had begun to Christmas Eve. White flakes of drifting snow turned grey almost as soon as they hit the ground. In the streets around the East River, there wasn't much in the way of Christmas spirit. The snowflakes had to concede defeat and turn into grimy, polluted slush. One of the few beacons of light in a bleak cityscape was the refuge, a converted warehouse near the river, a haven for the poor and the homeless, for the lost souls of the city. This was Desolation Row, America's third world. This was where the spirit of free enterprise lost its soul and dumped its waste product. Jack was young, only 28, but he had run the refuge for over a year and was its chief trustee. Without Jack, the refuge refuge would have closed. Only his faith and driving force had persuaded the city authorities to grant the license renewal. He was standing in the ramshackle storeroom that passed for his office, speaking excitedly into his cell phone. Harry, you're a miracle worker, a million dollars, right? He paused and listened with a triumphant grin on his face. You know what this insurance policy means to us, don't you? He clenched his left fist and lashed out in celebration. Exactly, we can keep this place going. He lowered his voice. It gives some real security to the homeless and desperate and it meets our license stipulation. Okay, your office tomorrow to sign the paperwork. Jack terminated the call and walked out into the main hall of the refuge. Right now, he was preparing for the annual Christmas rush. Although he hated doing it, he would have to turn people away. The queue to get in for a Christmas dinner of turkey and the trimmings and a bed for the night began early. Jack's own Christmas celebrations usually had to wait a couple of days. He had a lot of helpers, all volunteers, but he had planned to be there on Christmas Day with Kerry. It was 11 o'clock, time for Jack to hand over to his night shift. In the semi-darkness an orchestral cacophony of snoring rose and fell from the sleeping bodies in the four long rows of beds. Some men were crying in their sleep whilst others muttered to themselves in the midst of mind-locked nightmares. Jack used a couple of ex-boxers as overnight wardens. Marcel Goldenboy Nixon and Clyde Rydell were big, black and tough, a couple of reformed characters. Night Marcel, Night Clyde, jack said in a low voice see you tomorrow boss growled marcel with a large grin looks like you've had some good news my man whispered clyde opening his eyes wide eyes wide all in good time guys said jack as he headed for the front door jack looked out into the night snow was still falling steam rising jack's car was parked securely behind a heavily reinforced door he unlocked the makeshift garage stepped inside and eased the old baker out of its concrete silo, then locked it behind him. Jack took a look around at the streets. A couple of drunks were staggering towards a refuge. In dark recesses and in doorways, shapes moved, a match flared, music throbbed from somewhere. Come on, Jack, he muttered to himself. Time to go home. At that moment, a tall, wizened figure, shuffled through the flickering lights, long matted hair dressed with a topping of snowflakes. Like an Old Testament prophet, Abraham was making for the promised land. Jack smiled, wound down his window. Evening, Abraham, he said. We kept your reservation open as usual. Ah, Jack, you startled me. Abraham walked over to the car. Nearly Christmas and you'll soon be a father. Such times we live in. Three months. I can't wait. It's about, it's all I seem to think about. Abraham looked around, then glanced at the refuge where Clyde was waiting for him. This is no place for a young man like you. You've made your point. You've built up some good karma, my young friend. Believe me, it has not gone unnoticed by those in higher authority.
0: Well, thank you, Martin. Getting us off to an absolute cracking start, though. Let's see what the genie I am making of that. Uh, making lots of things of that, actually, as, as they always do. Uh, Pamela Joe starts by saying, too many names. This is about the blurb. I, I felt the same, too, actually. I was just going through, oh, I need to make a chart out of that. Uh, which is what Pamela Joe says. I feel like I need to make a chart to figure out the blurb. Hmm. Uh, Matt says, uh, another comment that went through my head, not sure race needs to play in the blurb. I I agree. Uh, Carol says, title is one word, isn't clear. I suggest making it two. Body switch. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. I um, quite like the title, says LA. Ali Thomas. Jan says, twist on heaven can wait. There are quite a lot of those, actually. You know, I did a little uh, search just now for body swap. It goes right back to 1936, body swap movies. It's... Um, we, we can talk about that in a moment, actually, whether it's the genre whose time has come and gone, but they just keep on coming up every few years, I think. Um, intriguing ideas, says vagabond Pamela Jo says, yeah, bad black kid stereotype is not going to be welcomed. Um, and Carol says, blurb has interesting elements, but I'm confused about the story. Um, Lex says, love the snowflakes had to concede defeat. I don't know where that comes from, but... <laughs> See, this is the thing, the Genius Room is just way above my level, really. Carol continues to say some issues with the syntax and punctuation and blurb lead me to expect it in the novel. That is often the case, isn't it? The issues continue in the opening page. Needs a good edit. The right person on the show today for that. Some rewriting and polishing before submission. Um, Vagabond says this is moving on to the start of it now. The start is a bit telly. Eva says, Um, I I would need to read the blurb more than once to understand it. I felt the same as that. David McGuire says, Some really nice touches here, but there's too much exposition, and this is a theme that's that the genius room is um is reporting back. Matt says, Yeah, it's a very dark version of Heaven Can Wait and Claire says blurb why would this happen I'm wondering um opening okay but a a little dull Pamela Jo says first paragraphs were lovely nice writing but the story drags I think that's the exposition um this needs to start someplace else and vagabond says yeah nice enough but slow because of a little too much exposition it at that point see what Johnny thinks
2: Yeah, I find myself in quite a bit of a genius room or saying here, I think the writing is is quite pleasant, but it's not very, it doesn't really grab you by the throat and start shaking the living daylights out of you. It's just a very gentle start, nice bit of description about, you know, this refuge. You get the idea, you can see the the hard-upness of it, all that sort of stuff, which works pretty well. But I I just find that I wasn't getting dragged into it. And, And a couple of bits, little bits of dialogue, uh, didn't sound convincing to me. I, I wondered why we were having the dialogue. It didn't really seem to, I, I think mm. if, if he was to, if he was to listen to or read that out to himself, I think it could be shortened up, particularly the, the conversation at the end, uh, seemed to serve not much of a purpose other than just tell us, a bit, you know, that he, he's, his wife's expecting the baby and all that. It, it just didn't ring true for me that, um, mm and, and the, the, the exposition there was there was too much exposition i think you know that old thing that somebody said already i think maybe started somewhere else i'm not quite sure where yeah but um nothing wrong with the writing really um there was a couple of repeated words you know back to back stuff like that which i did notice but it, it was a, it was a decent start but i think somebody's made a comment there saying it needs a, some rewriting and polish and editing and i, I would agree with that i think that's no. a, a, a correct assessment here
0: yeah Okay, thank you, Johnny. Back to the genius room. Uh, James James Charles says thriller needs more thrill. Yeah. Um, Elliot Thomas opening with the weather is a cliche. Oh yes, we so many submissions do that, don't they? Um, I guess you need to know that as positioning in your own head as a writer, but we don't necessarily need to. Opening. Um, sorry, uh, Carol says give us Jack's last name Madigan with first use of his name on page one. Uh, there's something about the race references, says David, in the blurb mm-hmm. and excerpt that make me a bit nervous about this. I, I wonder why it's necessary even, actually. Um, Vagabond says, just too slow to grab me. Uh, Matt says, thrill needs the thrill. This is a, a theme that's emerging here. Uh, at least create a healthy bit of suspense. And this doesn't yet. Dialogue's very generic, says Pamela Joe. Doesn't give us a, thir- a 3D picture. Of the characters and early time says well written, but maybe a bit too much setup rather than thrill. Um yeah. Interesting hint of an interesting author's voice, says Carol. Would like more of it. All right. Let's see what Tiffany thinks.
3: Uh Geniuses probably nailed this. John, I think you probably nailed it. Um, my first thought is that the the well, first of all, the title is I like the title, but it's not it's a little generic. Hmm. Um, the blurb I actually quite liked because there's something really intriguing to me about the idea of this body swapping. It's he- it's a dark yeah. heaven can wait.
0: I'm a sucker for that. But it's
3: also got racial elements which could be fascinating. I'm reading Yellow Face right now just full disclosure oh, nice. so my head's in that. But also it could be a total landmine and it might be trying to do too much with this other Mm. element of the afterlife and like which thing are we focusing on here so um well we'll leave my hundred for the blur but on 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 considering it it might be trying to do too much in the story that said the story is a thriller and as several people pointed out this is not a thriller opening it's not even really a horror opening it sort of felt quiet it felt like yeah. a lot of exposition, felt like a lot of background setup, yeah. whereas I think you you have some great stuff to start with. I mean, what I liked about the blurb is you've got this inherent conflict set up where everything's great, except uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen happens. And yeah. so, start where we're seeing the everything's great, and you've got that built in already with the fact that he's about to have his first kid and it's Christmas, and you say, oh, no. it's all I think about But we're not seeing that. So I felt like we didn't really know the character that well because it felt generic and it felt a little telly, whereas I wasn't really seeing a man so excited who felt he had everything, who just got this cherry on top of whatever he was arranging for the shelter. So, I would focus more on the character than I would on getting a lot of this exposition out and get it moving so we see the stakes right from the get-go and how much this character has to lose.
0: Yeah, wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good stuff, Tiffany. I want to come back and ask you about it in a moment. Let's just Catch up with the Gene Stream, who are absolutely are moving into top gear. Uh, Matt says thrill and he's the thrill. We've just said that actually. LA Thomas, well written, maybe a bit too much setup rather than thrill. Um, uh, yeah, oh gosh. Can I just say to the gen- I please? Um, TYM nails it! big up uh, there yeah well I, why are you surprised by that i'm not surprised um can i just say genii please if you've got you know more than say a couple of sentences break them into two two posts otherwise the the uh, type sizes you can see the font size gets so small it's really hard to to read on youtube and of course everyone wants to read it on youtube pc frontier hello says i like the title some good description but i think it needs a bit more to grip the reader body switching is an old idea it is uh, can the author come up with a new twist I, I, maybe he has done. I'm not sure. Uh, Vagaman says, I felt it didn't tell me anything about a refuge that I didn't already know. And it didn't expand beyond that info um, story either. Claire says, John Grisham writes well about charity slash pro bono work. Interesting. Check out his style and the way he opens his novels. Um, and David says, I, I was going to ask this and I still going to ask it. Is it a problem? that the setup is, quote, look at this saintly man and his incredibly worthy job. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> the the you, you've earned good karma bit is almost a wink to the audience. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So let's just ask Tiffany and Johnny too. So um, I think I think what Jack's doing here is is he's he is doing exactly what David has just said, actually. He's doing this externally. Um, he's showing Jack, mm-hmm. his protagonist, to be a really better than better person you could ever... I mean, you would never hope to meet such a nice person as Jack. I mean, he's he's just mm-hmm. such a good guy, all-round good guy, and he's doing great work for the homeless, and Christmas is coming, and it's, it's just... I mean, for me, it's 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 a bit too much. It's, it's laying it on with a trial. And really, why why is the author doing that? I think the author's doing it, so when the inevitable happens and he does have horrible crap happen in his life, we're going to, we're going to feel sorry for him. Do you think, Tiffany, first of all, do you think this is the best way to do that?
3: No, I actually, for the reasons I said, sort of more complex character development, I wonder if it might be stronger to lean in the other direction. If you're having your first kid and you see every day all that can go wrong in the world, yeah, you must be terrified of the, yeah. of every, I mean, having a kid, your first kid is probably terrifying anyway, let alone <laughs> being surrounded by the worst that can befall humanity day after day. And maybe that's a more interesting place to start, This his worst yeah. fears come true. Yeah, yeah, Johnny.
2: Yeah, I I think what David said is right. Actually, I never picked up on it myself, though, particularly. Uh, but yes, he is very, very much. Uh, we're, we're meant to root from him from the get go, aren't we? You know, he's, yeah. he's such a great guy, and he's doing such worthy work. Uh, and oh look, he's going to something terrible is going to happen to him. Well, we're supposed um, to get invested in
0: him, it. him, aren't we? And uh, the thing is, yes, do we, are, yeah. yeah, do we feel invested? I mean, do you feel invested in him just because he's doing good stuff? I'm sorry about the no, slash no, down, not, down the middle of the screen. There. I'll get rid of that.
2: Uh, no, not, not particularly, no. I, I don't at this stage because it, at, the, at the moment, I think he needs a bit more depth generally. Um, yeah. He's just he's a little bit two-dimensional at, at this stage, and, and I think some of no. that comes from the expositional. exposition. So we, we we're not going to care <laughs> that much, are
0: we, actually, if he's a bit two-dimensional. We're not really that invested.
2: No, no, he, he's in a, sort of an everyman at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he is,
0: actually. The only, yeah. the
2: only, thing, strikes, the only thing that strikes me about his character traits that we've heard so far, to be doing the work he's doing and to be holding a position of control and something like that, he seems to be very young at 28. You yeah. know, somebody, somebody, yeah. somebody who's in that job would normally probably be middle-aged, I guess. But, I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's not set in stone, but that's the only thing that's sort of left out at me f- uh, from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. But I'd like to know a bit more about him. I think, I think we need more about him.
3: I think part of that is the voice. There was a bit of a removed, I know that this is omniscient, but it's a removed distant omniscient and you can still have an omniscient voice and and really paint the character three-dimensionally and bring readers into their experience. So mm. I think maybe more of that intimacy might also help.
0: Absolutely mm. spot on. Tiffany Niles, as always, you've got a 63 actually, Jack. That's a pretty decent score, actually. Hopefully, you're pleased with that. Everyone has voted, have they not? Yes! Yes, they have voted. So, you've got 63. And hopefully, lots and lots of good live comments from the Genius Room, um, which is, um, in marketing terms, that's live sentiment analysis. That's what we're doing here. No one's ever done it before. Live sentiment analysis. Uh, Let me just say submissions are open again now. We had to close them for a bit, but they are open. If you want to get your work out there in front of people like us. (gasps) Oh, no. Yes. Uh, That's where you go. Subs.litopia.com. Did I mention the book club? I know I did. I'm going to mention it again. I had such a good time. I can't tell you what a good time I had last month with Virginia Woolf and i think it's going to be even better this time so if you can join us saturday the 12th of august is actually after uh the huddle i think actually that day yeah because we've got one huddle in uh, in august um do do please join us and here we go submission number two torn apart that's the title do you like it we give uh we give votes the title Title votes are actually worth twenty-five percent of all the votes that um, that we give here. So you know, titles are pretty important. Don't neglect the importance of a title, especially if you're a first-time author. You know, sometimes authors think, "Ah, oh, we can leave that—leave it to an agent or publisher or something." Not a good idea. They may not have the time to uh, to come up with a killer title. And in terms of a genre, look at the genre here. This is the genre. It's a Mike Delaney action thriller. That's your genre. And it's by Alex Steele. Isn't that um YA here, right? Alex Steele? I'm not sure. No, and that's Alex Ryder, isn't it? Alex Ryder got confused. Anyway, here's the book. Twin sisters are torn apart at birth. One becomes a Catholic nun, the other a deadly assassin. Hmm. But they're bound together by blood. <laughs> Johnny likes this. Sorry. When they're reunited. Reunited by Mike Delaney Heaven meets Hell Head on There's a concert for you This detonates an explosion of events That embroils Mike Delaney In the battle of his life Foiling an assassination attempt On the US President Of course it's always the US President isn't it In Ireland Hunted by the Sepulchre killer Hmm. The ex-assassin Hong Kong cop And warrior monk (laughs) say. <laughs> they are, a bit heavy there. A warrior monk indeed. Must figure out which twin is which. Wow. Is that high concept? Or Wait, all thrillers today, I think. Uh, very high concept. Let me uh, tell everyone about you, Alex. I've been a journalist and editor and formerly musician, touring with Alton John and Rod Stewart. Wow. I must ask Johnny about that. He's a musician. I co-wrote a rock opera for the Edinburgh Festival that starred a young... Pierce Brosnan. I can't imagine him in a rock opera, actually. Was he any good? Tell us. If you, if you, you can, you can spill the beans. Um, hopefully with his life on YouTube. As a journalist, I've written hundreds of articles and edited an international magazine. I've been published in the past and have been long listed for the CWA debut dagger award. Second submission of the day that's uh, been short, long-listed actually, uh, with one title and shortlisted for the Crime Thrower Award at the Hastings Literary Festival, which I know, actually. And again, we're going to give you an imperviously good start here with this wonderful reading by Hannah.
4: Torn Apart by Alex Read by Hannah Chapter 1 The 42-foot Nullset Cabin Cruiser rose and fell gently at its mooring in the lapping waters of Boston Harbor's Long Wharf. Mike Delaney awoke from a deep slumber but kept his eyes tightly shut. Whoever was in his sleeping berth watching him had been noiseless until a moment ago when a slight rustle and slow exhalation of breath had summoned Delaney from sleep. A cold prickle of adrenaline jogged his senses into fully alert mode. Very slowly, he slid his right hand, inch by inch, across the bed, under the duvet, causing not even a ripple, until he found the cold, hard handle of his thirty-eight Smith & Wesson revolver secreted as it always was, in a holster attached to the side frame. He slipped his hand around the grip and his finger onto the trigger. He readied himself, sucking in his breath slowly and deeply. Delaney erupted from the bed, lifting his knees and sweeping the duvet away with his left hand while his right brought the revolver up in a blur of movement as he opened his eyes. The man standing at the cabin door was startled, gasped, and took one step back. Don't move, Delaney ordered. The man stood rock still. He was of medium height with sandy hair and was wearing a well-pressed black suit, blue shirt and grey tie. I do apologise if I startled you, Mr Delaney, he said, watching the snap of the Smith and Wesson pointing directly at his head. Delaney swung his legs out of the bed and stood up. He was naked, and his head just touched the roof of the cabin. He towered over the figure in the doorway. The man averted his eyes. ''Who are you?'' ordered Delaney. ''Talk.'' ''Morrison, sir,'' said the man, remaining as rigid as a pole. ''I am Mr. Ravelli's chauffeur.'' ''You're English?'' Yes, sir, Morrison paused. I've been sent to collect you, Mr. Delaney. Mr. Ravelli has a private jet waiting at Logan Airport. Delaney let out his breath and glanced at his wristwatch. You're way too early. What's the rush? Morrison said, Mr. Ravelli thought it would be appropriate to brief you in person. You're still too early, Delaney said. I believe in being prompt, said Morrison a little precily, Mr. Avelli cannot abide lateness, so we have time for breakfast, asked Delaney. I feel more comfortable if you lowered your gun, sir, said Morrison. Delaney smiled and put the Smith and Wesson back in its holster and unfastened it from the bed. Thank you, Mr. Delaney. We should leave here in forty minutes. Can you cook? asked Delaney. I certainly can. Hungry? A tad, said Morrison. you find eggs and bacon in the refrigerator and coffee next to the coffee maker. Okay, what say you cook us breakfast while I shower get dressed and see about securing a boat? Agreed. I'll just remove my jacket if I may. Morrison turned and walked down to the galley. Taking off his coat and opening the door of the refrigerator. Delaney stepped into the shower, sluiced himself down, dried and dressed quickly in dark trousers, a cotton shirt and grey jacket. He packed quickly, found his passport, cell phone and wallet. While the tantalizing aroma of freshly brewed coffee, bacon and eggs filled the cabin, Delaney eased his way to the stern, littered the engine hatch, and, using a screwdriver, undid the fastenings holding the rotor arm in place and removed it. He replaced the hatch and secreted the engine part inside a sliding compartment above the shower cubicle, then returned to the cabin where Morrison was serving breakfast. "'Sorry if I startled you, Mr. Delaney,' said Morrison. "'My apology for the gun. It's a conditioned reflex,' Delaney told him. "'Your ex-services, no doubt.' Morrison ladled eggs and bacon onto two plates with toast, while Delaney poured coffee. Afraid so, said Delaney. How long have you worked for a Three years, said Morrison, as they both began to eat. This is very good of you. Breakfast, I mean. Don't mention it. What kind of business do your boss in? I've heard about him, but no more than...
0: Okay, so we uh, we we uh, we finished halfway through a sentence, then didn't we? Yes. Oh, is that a cliffhanger or what? Let's see what the genie is saying. Uh, Carol says, excuse <clears throat> me a Mike Delaney action thriller. Is not a genre. It's not yet. It could be." Um, and. David says, Devin McGuire says, what, all twin sisters? And Matt says, strong title blurb, needs a bit of an edit, but clunky. Story sounds fun. And um, David McGuire says, this is a fantastically pulpy blurb. I thought so too. Um, This is total Tarantino territory, isn't it? If that's intentional... I'm in. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Hopefully it is. James says, oh, no, not Ireland. Um, Yeah, you'll find out why in a minute. Uh, Blurb is confusing, says Carol, because I've no idea who Mike Delaney is. Pamela Jo says, and this is the genius of the genius room, right? Pamela Jo says, I actually know a Hong Kong, ex-Hong Kong cop in Wexford. Everyone's in Wexford. It's extraordinary. (laughs) He's studying sword, but still, this character's a stretch for me. Oh, I don't know about that um sounds quite bonkers sounds quite bonkers says vagabond heart which is good and i i tend to agree with that actually I, I i would claire says a bit silly yeah but you know take it take it that way for me at least uh Elliot thomas says bonkers and silly don't suggest thriller to me ah yeah maybe you're right carol says then more confusion due to added characters you mentioned like any story context yeah uh, jan says title not as exciting as the story blurb needs an edit but i'm in and eve says um suitable title but overused it's a bit, bit generic isn't it actually uh, hannah says they don't need to wear habits anymore pj i think we're talking about nuns now they're hiding in plain sight whoa <laughs> yes you're never alone um, matt says okay that's how you start a hammett style thriller it's feeling like that and Cal says, sleeping birth, and had a birth to be a bed, not a room, however tiny. I've slept in an assigned berth on train, assumed it's similar. I don't know about that. Um, oh, I wondered when uh, Barbie gets a mention. She has got a mention. I don't understand the context, so I'm not going to um, read that, but you can see it uh, yourself on the screen. Hannah says, this flowed well, was easy to read, forced our narrator, and started excitingly, but it's starting in the wrong place. Spending time at breakfast... An English butler. It's just so Batman for me. That was Alfred, wasn't it? I I expected Michael Caine any moment. Actually, Um, spending time at breakfast dulled the impact at the start. Right, Tiffany, breakfast.
3: Um, Yeah, it's it's riveting when you do it, Peter. But I do think that we got a little bogged down. First of all, thriller again. So um, thrill us. And you start with such a great way to introduce a character and start on something exciting. And then you immediately let all the air out of the balloon when he wakes up and he grins and he offers breakfast and they talk for a long time about how long, how early he is. And you have this great tension built up. You can maintain that even when you uh, neuter the threat by just keeping us focused on who this guy is and how he doesn't trust anybody, I'm assuming. And this guy just shows up while he's sleeping and is watching him in the dark. And then he's like, oh, let's have breakfast. I'm naked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's one of those sorts of books.
3: Oh, I didn't realize. I was going to say, like, I thought, oh, okay. thought we were going top somewhere top. else there, which yes. would be thrilling. Um, <laughs> I, I felt like butler. the title... Title's a bit generic like uh several genii said i thought the blurb i you know i couldn't except for the fact that we have our own genre here with mike delaney's name i would not have known really who the protagonist was i thought it was about uh first of all sisters being torn apart i had a real different image john i think you were there with me and then when they were put yes. back together by blood i had this whole image of them literally being torn apart and then uh you know, glued back together with blood. So maybe just clarify what you're talking about. But our protagonist and the driver of the action is Mike. And so again, and I'm a character editor, we need to know why we care about this character beyond just the fact that he has an interesting past of being a warrior monk and an ex-assassin and a Hong Kong cop. There needs to be something more that he is struggling with personally or wrestling or has as a fatal flaw that makes it more, more personal than just this yarn about which twin is the good twin and which twin is the bad twin, which has yeah. some promise, but I would say keep the camera focused it's a Mike Delaney thriller. Totally. Keep it focused on Mike That's right.
0: It's a new genre. Uh, Thomas says, "I just found this all a bit... Meh. Oh, I think that was, I think that was when he went to breakfast. Really, wasn't it?" Uh, Vagabond, said, Vagabond says, started well, getting bogged down in mundanity now. That's echoing the same theme. Uh, Leg says, I hate to be glib about someone's work, but twins, one's a nun, one's an assassin. Sounds like something I would have seen on a shelf in a sleazy video store. Well, yeah, but that's, that's Tarantino, right? Um, Pamela J says, a bit point by point, don't really need most of this this info. Of course, that's true. David McGuire says, I'm so torn. I can't work out if it's, if it's so silly that I love it. Um, and Claire says, ooh, why is he tinkering with the engine? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Have you got clothes on at that point or what? I don't know. Oh, dear. We started with the gun, says Matt, and then it went south. Carol says, I'm sorry, but even they're describing the visitor, the words as rigid as a pole made me laugh. When used right after you said Delaney's <laughs> <snake." laughs> <laughs> and this guy over his eyes. Well, he's an English butler, they're used to that kind of thing. Um David mm. McGuire, took the seven hundred word bit very literally there. Yeah, it did, isn't it? Mid sentence. Edit down the breakfast chat, says Claire. And let's see. Uh, Lex says, Let's have breakfast. I'm naked, as how am I is now on my stationery. Thank you. PC Frontier. The blurb confused me and the pulse
5: <laughs> sounded
0: a bit far fetched. Sorry. Yeah, it is far fetched, but what is escapism? That's what we want these days. Um, sorry, I thought the start lost some reader lost some reader interest, right, Johnny.
3: Are we really gonna ignore yeah. player's comment? I,
0: yeah, I didn't oh. see that. Oh yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> yeah, Claire's yeah, comment yeah, yeah. right at the top of the screen. There you go. Uh, I'm not going to read it out, Johnny.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I think everybody said everything. Really, I, I, I was trying to paraphrase it. What if Jeeves got a new job or something like that? You know, it's hmm. um, you've got a situation here where it starts off quite Bondy, doesn't it? It's quite quite Ian in, yeah. a, in a sort of way. Yeah, uh, you get you know, sort of blonde vibe but as soon as we went to the as soon as we realized the guy was there to collect them in the car and then it, it just became very mundane after yeah, that thought, yeah you've, you've you know i think tiffany said it best let the whole air out of the let the, the air out of the balloon at that stage i think he's got an option there i don't know if he wants to play it for you know it could be harmed up a bit if he wanted to because there, there were bits there which nearly went into harm territory which might have been quite amusing but yeah i, I think you've, you've got two kind of genres that are sort of fighting for for survival in in, in one passage and, and i think by the time we went to the second bit i, I thought no that you know you've you've blown a really strong start yeah. the only thing i did think about the start was i think the guy the guy that uh, our protagonist been asleep he came, he woke up from a deep sleep but kept his eyes closed and i think that's quite a hard trick to do i, I can't imagine I, I, i'm surely a piece of opening up means you have to open your eyes i don't know it I, I just threw me when i heard that at, at the very start um yeah it's it's nicely written um but I, I think it needs a rethink from that you know yeah k- keep the, the attention up by all means and what tiffany said again i think would be, would be good advice you know still make him super suspicious of this guy you know you could be watching him like a hawk something could be going on he, he hasn't he immediately he immediately feels comfortable with him says hey go make some breakfast yeah it, that doesn't it doesn't really you know you, i i can't ever envisage something like that happening you know um
0: no so with,
2: you know. Like, he lost, Sorry, on. He, he, you know. He lost, he, yeah. He lost the tension you built up. A, 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 a is specific, specifically, what I think has happened there. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's right. Um, but I mean, personally, you know, I, I I would squeeze this for every ounce of Tarantino it has got in it and make it a crisp, pulpy, you know, um, manuscript. I'd take it that way, and I, th- I you know, why not? Um, I do want to ask Tiffany about something actually, and that is. Um, I one or two people said and I thought it immediately the dialogue here just isn't convincing. Um, mm. and what's what's good advice to to authors who, who want to write dialogue that that yeah. kind of works, you know, it doesn't sort um, of make you think, Oh, no one's <clears throat> gonna say that.
3: Funny you say that. I literally just did a workshop on this with Jane Friedman. Oh. Um oh. the sort of the nugget of it that I talked about is that dialogue, story dialogue is crystallized conversation. It's not the way we really talk. Um. It's, um, you know, record yourself on a phone call when you're not thinking about it and you'll see all the circumlocutions that we use in real life, but we don't do that in story. We get right to the point and, and, tailor it to your character. If you have someone like Mike and you want to show that this character has the background that you're talking about, let us see that in the way he speaks. I imagine he'd be very maybe terse. He would be to the point. He would be very neutral. He would use open-ended questions maybe to try to see if he's suspicious, you know, who this person is. Um, I I would worry less about the mundanities, as people were saying, of everyday life and move the story forward, the holy grail of story.
0: Very good. Um, what you say, actually, I, I was on a radio show a few years ago, uh, doing a debate with some people. And uh, they what they'd done is they'd done their research and they'd listened to me on previous shows. They'd listened to me and they'd had everything I said transcribed. And I happened to get a copy of this transcription and it was mortifying just mortifying. Everything you say is so true. I mean, all the ums and the ers and the the half-finished thoughts. You just, you just think, my God, this is an this is an insane person talking. So, um, yeah, real dialogue um, doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't work, does it? It's got to appear to be real. Um, thank you very much for that, uh, Tiffany. We're going to come back and talk to you in a moment. Let's look at the numbers. Fifty-nine, Alex. Are you with us? Knock once if yes. And let us know what you think. And also ask any questions you want to ask, please do that. Um, it's very nice to, to have thoughts and uh, comments and feedback from our authors live on YouTube. You can do that right now in the next few minutes if you'd like to. Meanwhile, I'm going to have a word with Tiffany. Look what you're doing. Fox, that's one of your two websites. I'm going to mention that one now because it's kind of slightly easier than the other one, which is not your name. Uh, but it is a name. But, oh, never mind. I'm too confused about that. Foxburn Editorial. You just mentioned you're doing some, uh, some seminars. So I've got this up on the page here. I've got some seminars here. I'm very impressed by a number of things. The fact that, you know, you've got a good range of seminars. Another thing, too, actually, that they're all affordable, and I think that's a very big deal, actually, for for authors. You know, I mean, I've looked at the price of some of them; they seem to be in the sort of forty, fifty dollar range, which is fine. You know, it's it's just when it, people are charging hundreds, of, sometimes thousands of dollars for a seminar, yeah. I start to think to myself, you yeah, know, why are they doing that, and what what are authors' expectations? You know, authors are kind yeah. of vulnerable people, aren't they, in a way? You know, they they hate any artist if they want it, yeah exactly yeah that's
3: right and there's yeah. become a i write about this a lot there's become a whole like uh creatives have become the product in the industry to a degree and that's fine i mean this is how business runs yes. but you know uh buyer beware so it's just up to every yeah. artist to use their discretion as to what they're getting like you said peter yeah
0: well there we go Foxprint editorial how many uh how many seminars are you uh seminars you got there now
3: Oh, I think I have nine up now, but I've got three that I just haven't recorded yet. And I'm going to be doing some live ones, mm. too. I do a lot Brilliant. of live work with Jane Friedman. I love to teach. Yeah, excellent. And, of course, uh, oh, thanks, Carol.
0: a good starting point, probably, is your book, isn't it, Intuitive Editing?
3: Mm. Yeah, that gives okay. the whole overview of all the craft stuff I talk about. Yeah. In the seminars, I like to drill. I call them the pain points like in sales. But, you know, there's the things that we struggle with a lot in our own that I see over and over as an editor, like mid-book SAG or Backstory yeah. or the little just, you know, the tiny little dialogue, things that, we, that I see over and over. Authors have a hard time getting from their head onto the page, and I, I like to figure out um, yes. hacks basically like let's let's dissect this issue and figure out why things aren't working when they're not working and now, here are the principles where you can make it work
0: now I did mention well, just before know. before the show started <clears throat> that I had been asking ChatGPT gpt about you and it's no. very interested in you it's very interested it wants it's given me 10 or 12 questions i'm not going to ask all the questions it obviously wants to learn all your knowledge actually tiffany Bit <laughs> scary, really, um, but it's it's come it's come with lots of questions he wants to ask you. So let me just fire it a few away. What advice would you give to aspiring editors?
4: Oh, I love that. Hone
3: uh, your approach, for starters, because editing is, a lot of it is seeing what you're seeing on the page, but a phenomenal amount of it is how you present that to the author. And the most insightful advice in the world is not going to be useful to an author if it is not given clearly and actionably and constructively.
0: There you go. There you go. ChatGPT. I'm sure they're listening even now. Or they will be actually when they get a transcript. And now it's
3: in the algorithm.
0: Now, yes, it is. And they don't need you anymore now. They've got that information. Oh, bloody hell. Um, that's what the writer's strike's is all about, really. Um, all right. This is this is a weird one, actually. And if, if it's too boring, just say, look, Pete, that's too boring. I'm not going to answer that. Um, it wants to, to know what you think uh, about this. How has the industry changed <laughs>
5: um,
0: since you began editing? Oh. <gasps> Oh, my Lord.
3: I started when there were red pencils and nothing electronic uh, in the dinosaur era. So it's changed enormously in that sense. I think it has empowered the author and democratized the industry, where authors have more ways than ever to reach readers. I also think in some ways it has devalued the artist. So yeah, it's like yeah, a mixed bag on like everything, yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you think is uh, leading off that, really? What do you think of the biggest challenges facing editors today?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the, mar- the field is extremely crowded, and it's hard to differentiate yourself. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably what I would say. Yeah, a- a- all right. And also. I think it's really easy. There's no bar to entry. There's no official. No, there's, not. there's no official no, certification no. or training or board. Same with and So anyone can be an editor.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, yeah, same with agents. It. Yeah, so it's by. So aware, I think it's really it? important. Yeah.
3: To get the skills, and the only way to get the skills is hands-on. So yeah. any way you can find to hone those skills without necessarily charging for them before you have yeah. honed them, I think yeah. would be valuable. To authors Although, and to you as an editor. Certainly, without
0: killing too many manuscripts or indeed authors. Uh, what do you think the future of edit? Two more questions. What do you think the future of editing looks like once ChatGP To know. Uh,
3: my hope is that we, as editors, <laughs> will Chat be GPT necessary. Yet. Yeah. Well, because it can, it may be able to generate content, but I do think there's probably. Editing is subjective, like everything. So is writing, of course. Yeah. But there is um, right now the barrier between, as we were talking about earlier, AI and something actually palatable, is an editor. So maybe yeah. we will hopefully be stay relevant. I don't know.
0: I, I think you're I think winning. We all Ch- have to be right on our feet. Yeah, yeah. I, you're definitely winning. I'm giving you more marks than ChatGPT.
3: But this final
0: question <laughs> might floor you. I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, ChatGPT wants to know what's the what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever been asked to do as an editor.
3: Um, I used to joke that, and it was partly glorious and partly mortifying. I used to, when I started, I was a copy editor and I did a lot of romances and a lot of erotica. And I, one of my regular job descriptions was to go, I don't think he can reach that in this position. Or, you know, like, <laughs> just scope it all out in my mind to see if it was possible.
0: I th- I think you've completely floored ChatGPT, actually. I think we, we can all rest that a little bit safer at night because of, uh, because of you. Oh, fantastic. Great. Thank you very much. Everyone knows your website now. Let's uh, move on to the third submission of the day. Isn't Tiffany fantastic? Here we go. It's Richter's Daughter. Do you like that title? Does it stick in your mind? Will you remember it half an hour after the show is finished? I think I will. Richter's Daughter. It's a historical thriller. Kind of the theme today, isn't it? Thrillers. This is from Becky. <coughs> Becky Johns. And this is Becky's blurb. When Adara Jolstad... Wow. Is that an anagram? It's an amazing name. When Adara Jolstad receives a journal in the mail, she doesn't realise someone would rather kill her Ooh. than have the truth exposed. Written by World War II hero Raoul Wallenberg. Uh, there's a statue to him just around the corner from where I used to live in central London, actually. I often thought about him, so what? what? Uh, the entries trace his journey as a negotiator for Jewish lives to his final bargain, exchanging their fortunes for their lives. Meanwhile, Adara races against the statute of limitations deadline before the country of Hungary permanently acquires the Nazi loot, and Wallenberg's last mission is lost forever. That's interesting. Definitely pick that up and have a look at it. Uh, this is all about Becky. I'm setting on Raoul's journey, a historical figure credited with saving thousands of Jews. I've traveled to all the Hungarian locales in the novel and a few of the Russian ones. Wow. Taking your research seriously. I currently practice anesthesia in a one stoplight town in rural Oregon. I also have a BS in communications with emphasis on creative writing. This is my debut novel. My hobbies are surviving the toddler years and teaching my burn doodle. What's a burn doodle? I don't know what that is. The genius room will know. I don't know what that is. It's not ChatGPT, it's another. No, it can't be. Uh, to find fossils. So, a burn doodle is something that can be taught to find fossils. I await uh, uh, to be um, uh, enlightened by the genius room. Trindle could be it could be and meanwhile this <laughs> rose, it could be couldn't it yeah uh, truffle <laughs> fossils fossil truffles <laughs> meanwhile i'm gonna shut up and let mel take santa's day
5: richter's daughter written by becky read by mel loon bay minnesota He stood over Velma Richter and watched as she opened her eyes. The monitor's beeps didn't falter as she stared back, her grey eyes sharp. The man walked around her hospital bed and glanced out the window. The sun peeked out behind the pine trees and carved a shadow on the small brick building. A light mist rose spreading between the trees from the lake not too far away. He reached out and picked up one of the photo frames on the bedside table. The photo showed Velma a few years younger, her wrinkles not quite as deeply etched, and her white hair tied back. She sat in a canoe with a younger blonde woman. Both were smiling. Put that down, Velma bristled, her German accent thick. Instead of complying, the man slowly traced the outline of the blonde woman with his fingertip. He said nothing for a few moments, gazing at the photo. It was a day much like today. Sunny, he could almost smell the pine needles and hear the lapping of the water against the canoe. The woman was beautiful, and a small thrill went through him, thinking of the next steps he might need to take. She doesn't know anything. An old friend of the family. Since her grandfather died, we've been out of touch for many years, she said. Reluctantly returning the photo to its prior position, he glanced towards the door. The nurse left on break and wouldn't be back for ten minutes. He only needed two. I believe you when you said you've told me everything you know about your account. But it doesn't change what will happen. They can't take any chances. You won't suffer, I can promise you that. Velma's hair was tied back in much the same style of the photo. It seemed to be how she always wore it, wrapped high in a bun on her head. A loosened white strand lay curling against her cheek, and she brushed it back again and looked toward the door. The sound of muffled wheels grew closer and paused outside her room, and he held his breath, his mind raking for plan B if someone entered. He waited for the sound of a knock, listening to the voices discuss breakfast trays, his hand in his pocket, fingering the syringes. Velma looked relieved, but then the grate of the wheels continued, the voices fading again as the cart moved down the hall. He took another step closer. What are you waiting for then? she snapped. He grabbed an alcohol swab and cleaned off the intravenous port methodically. He could never be accused of not being thorough. You're going to feel comfortable very quickly, he said, before the other one. He flinched as Velma grabbed his hand and looked down at it, momentarily stunned. Promise me, promise me you won't hurt her. He glanced at the photo again and gave her hand a reassuring squeeze as he emptied the large syringe labeled Versed into the IV. Her hand felt soft and cold like partially thawed memories, memories that would soon melt into oblivion. Less than a minute, and the wrinkles around her eyes softened as her face relaxed. The dose could sleep the largest man. I can promise you she won't feel pain, he said. She didn't take her glazed eyes away from him as he pushed the other syringe, the paralytic rocuronium. She removed her hand from his large one. He could feel her watching as he pocketed the syringes, and after a moment's debate, the photo with the girl. He didn't wait for Velma's final breath before leaving her room. Usually he would always wait until the very end, but there was something about those grey eyes, piercing him, seeing into him, almost even feeling sorry for him that he couldn't take. He reached the nurse's station as the monitor started alarming and kept walking. The nurse wasn't back from break, and the confused secretary hit the silence button, heaving herself up from the desk and spilling her coffee. He knew it would take a minute to wipe the counter, and by that time he'd be long gone. He patted his pocket containing the photo he'd swiped and exited the building, just as the code blue alarm went off.
0: Thank you, Mal. Terrific. I think you've already got comments on your German accent. Favourable ones. Um... <clears throat> Uh, L.A. Thomas says, I don't mind the title. It doesn't connect with the blurb. A number of the other people make that same sort of uh, observation. Um, Pamela Joe says, blurb would work if that first line is made more clear. And Carol M.S. says, relative to blurb info, the title seems unrelated, uh, has no hint of meaning. Matt says, "The blurb was a bit confusing. Um, David McGuire says, blurb sounds like an amazing story. I think it does, but there's a bit of a proof excuse me, Vagabond Heart says, also a nice enough idea, but the writing of the blurb is quite clunky. Um, James, James says, James Charles, don't see a connection to the daughter in the blurb. David Maguire says, it'll it'll be a dog. Uh, This is the boondoodle thing. Something crossed with a poodle. Interesting. Uh, Matt knows, of course, this is the genius room at work, a Bernese mountain dog with a poodle. There you go. Uh, Quite a lot to absorb in the blurb, says Hannah, doesn't sink in with a quick skim. It doesn't, does it, actually? Carol says, um, blurb describes, very intriguing story, but I wasn't sure what's meant by the last line on Wallenberg's last mission has lost forever. How would that be so? Yeah, blurb's kind of, it's defocused actually. Um, Jan says, I love historical thrillers. This sounds great. And I like the title. Um, And Carol says, and this is quite an important comment, actually, from my point of view, commercially. Carol says, I suspect there may be other novels about this subject. What makes this one unique? I don't know if there are other novels about it. If there are, then yeah. Uh, Matt says, Mel, obviously nailed the reading and accent. Palmer Joe says, okay, lovely writing, but strong edit would make it hookier. And Claire says, this is intriguing. Dave McGuire says, sharp accomplished prose, but the start could stand a little less description and james says i'm not getting historical or thriller um wow tension and suspense could be upped at start says carol Jan says yeah begin
2: with the kill johnny i love this i thought it was great um i think was, the pacing at the start's perfect for me um there's a sinister vibe to it immediately soon as mm. soon as something's going on, um and it's just by degrees, each sentence just adds to it. This guy, what's he doing in the room? Um, what I don't, know, by the way, I don't know. I, I don't know the history, the, the actual history event that people are talking about, but just looking at it as a freestanding novel, I, I think it's super. There's so many what, what's going on, who's this, why are they doing this? All asking me as a reader questions, 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 questions. I think the excellent, you know, I think it's the best thing I, I've heard uh, on the show for quite some time. I thought it was That's excellent, true. really, really good. I can't really be. More, you know, more praise, I can't give it more praise yeah. because it, it, to me it read like a proper published book almost and, and
0: yeah, I think if, it,
2: if, hmm. if, the rest, if the rest of it's sung I think it's got a very good chance of, of, of seeing the light of day on a bookshelf somewhere.
0: Fantastic, thank you Johnny <clears throat> Heart-wrenching, depressing scenario says Carol Oh I enjoyed this, says L.A. Thomas Claire says I would read on, Palma Joe Good point Claire, Attention would up if there are footsteps, possible discovery and Carol says first few paragraphs need more colour emotion to really grab readers and intensify impact of the scene. And Claire says, agree with Johnny, lots of unanswered questions to add intrigue and keep the reader
3: hooked. Hmm. Tiffany. I loved it, as Hmm. you can see from my score. Fantastic. Um, I did not love the title. It was bland. I did not love the blurb. It was confusing. I did not know exactly what the story was about. But then the story itself came out, John, to your point, this is publishable. It's fantastic. It mm. I disagree about beginning with the kill, as one of the geniuses says. Mm. We don't care what's happening until we care about players. And this creates that instant feeling of Johnny nailed it, uh there's a threat. It's very chilling to me. This is a thriller. It feels like a thriller from the beginning. We don't know why he's doing this. What I thought was brilliant about it, not only is all of the questions, as you pointed out, John, and this mood is created and this threat, these are very interesting characters. Mm. Belma opens her eyes and she's just like one cool cucumber. I love her. And she said something, I forget what, but she's just Fascinating, and then the man, the most beautiful character detail was that he cleans the IV port and then he starts feeling bad about her gray eyes. I am so in, I want to know mm. so much more about who this person is. This isn't just a bland assassin,
4: that's right. This
3: is character and depth, and I want to, I, I'm in.
0: Wow, well, that's coming from Tiffany. I mean, what more can you say, really? Um, let's look at the numbers and find 74. Becky, I think that puts you in the uh, quarterly lead. I'm not certain about that. I'll have to check after the show, but I think it may do. I hope you're very pleased with that. You've got lots and lots of good comments. Anything else I need to point out? the genius room uh, hannah says i got a thriller from it. i didn't get historical from the off but i expect the historical setting will be brought to us soon carol says i was hooked this story intrigues me and vagabond says yes he was properly creepy picking up what, what tiffany just said and carol says hey oregon hi from vancouver are you near the john day fossil beds national monument I don't know if Becky's with us at the moment. Are oh, you with us, Becky? Calling Becky. We want to talk to you about fossils. We also want to say you've done really well. Congratulations. We've got one more sub today. <laughs> and this is it. Royal Seal. It's a thriller. Forming been thrillers, haven't they? Tim. I think Tim's been commenting on YouTube. Yes. Hello, Tim. You are with us. That's nice sometimes you know it's it's nerve-wracking to have your work uh, exhibited like this and sometimes people are with us but they don't say anything because it's they're shy and I totally understand that too there we go uh, theres QR code there too uh, for a link if you want to chase off to whichever recondite obscure corner of the internet that uh, that it takes you to meanwhile I'll read you Tim's blurb front cover pitch Ooh. I think, I think we've got two blurbs here. Front cover pitch. An explosive conflict of interests cause British <coughs> intelligence and the CIA to clash heads. Hmm. Back cover blurb. Got two blurbs for the price of one. Manhunt. The problem is an American is hunted on a charity safari park of which HRH is the patron. British intelligence operative Eve Bell sends footage of the Manhunt to London. Now her life is in danger. Just who is Simon Merriman? When the CIA received footage, they sent in Gabriel Archer and Rose Chapel. The British need a smack and it's going to sting. <laughs> thing is, you see, if they are British upper class people, they'll like it. That's how they're brought up, actually. <laughs> They will, you see. i will <is> <laughs> I'll say, ask for more, actually. Yeah. Um, my background includes BBC drama department, uh, says Tim, and the History Press published my memoir in service, The Story of a Welsh Guardsman. I've now written seven <laughs> novels. I've recently written a film script at the request of DAL Productions. Some time ago now, I had a short story produced by the BBC. It's a very good, very good start, I actually. Very good experience, that. I also recently wrote a rather unique novella. I'm Walsh, live in Pembrokeshire, West Wales, UK. An audiobook of one of my novels, The Drama Merchant, is available on Amazon, read by myself. We don't have to read your own audiobooks, you know, because we do have some rather wonderful narrators here. And you can read all about them at voice.lotopia.com. And indeed, you can hire them as well, your own audiobook. And in fact, good heavens, good bless my soul... um. Here's one of them right now. It's Jeff.
6: Royal Seal by Tim Rees, read by Jeff. One. Northern Transvaal, South Africa. I refuse to run. Bull Berman stated with lip-biting resolve. He felt his mouth move, but his voice had seemed somehow disconnected. His raw fear was deafening. It felt like his heart was punching his eardrums. 32, slightly built, with an unruly mop of dark brown hair topping a thin face, he took birth naked, his olive-wet skin steaming with sweat. Not because the hot evening sun baked his flesh, but because pure terror had set flame to all cognitive thought. His captor's face cracked. Smiled, the lips curling upon disgust as his fingers combed through the long, rhino-high strands of the chambok in long, slow strokes. Then I'll remove your skin with this. The voice sounded blunt. The South African accent clipping the words as if his tongue was a sharp chisel to underscore his point. He flicked the shamblock at the hard ground, and the flail sliced into the dirt, whipping up a cloud of dust that hung threateningly in the evening air, before dispersing on the gentle breeze. Kalenjibar watched dust feather across the wide velds as the cracked smile broadened, before slowly continuing. And your limbs will be able by an axe. He shrugs and sighed tiredly. An arched eyebrow asked the question, Am I getting through to you? Then carefully churn each word, he added, Understand, the woods will be sealed by a blotage, so you won't die quickly from the loss of blood. Then you'll be set upright in a vat of maggots. It will amuse me to see how long it takes for them to nuke down to the crystal. Will be slow? Any terrible way to die? The African's voice had remained incongruously gentle throughout his short speech, but Bowman had caught his eyes. They were like lasers, cold and matter-of-fact. "So, gay boy, the choice is yours. Again he sighed tiredly. Do you saw it? I have a business to run. the light laugh he finished. Of course, if you run, there is hope. You might be so fast we can't get you. There's a risk we take. And who knows, I might even fall off Mars. Bowman heard the ripple sniggers. Didn't seem too far and didn't register. He swallowed. Shaking, his prominent nose flaring, sucking down oxygen to feed his hyperventilating lungs. His eyes closed in silent prayer. Everything he'd heard and seen about Cullen Joubert in all their all too brief association told him the man wouldn't hesitate to carry out a threat under a moment's provocation. Hesitatingly, he opened his eyes and stared wildly around, seeking for someone, anyone, who might offer help. The final, Desperate plea was shattered when his eyes met those of the three young Arabs. Three young men still in their late teens. He didn't know any of the boys, but immediately recognised the homophobic glare in their eyes. Paul Berman didn't know it. But Ahmed, Mahmoud and Rashid were the sons of Abu Ahmad, the man who'd kidnapped him after he'd been mistakenly thought to be his boyfriend. His boyfriend was James, the son of ex-US President Clark. Once Abu Ahmed had realised his men had taken the wrong man, he had an idea. His sons needed to learn to kill with impunity, thus he had handed Bowman over to Count Joubert so his boys could learn the valuable lesson about life and death. He would personally hunted and killed a man with Joubert only a few months before, and his mouth still watered when he recalled the rush of adrenaline. Ahmed, the eldest son, glared at Bowman with sinister intensity through dark eyes gleaming with glassy excitement. His brother stood a bit near his side. All three were filming the scene with their phones. But they knew not to capture Joubert or his men. They'd been warned it was strictly prohibited to share any videos online, and knew their father had made a solemn promise. The youngest, Rashid, looked nervously at the ground, refusing to look at Bowman, while Mahmoud glowed with even more obvious, unrepressed hatred than his older brother. Ahmed and Mahmood were certainly sons of their father. It was then the last flitches of hope was engulfed in terror and suddenly and shamefully, Bowman realized his bladder was emptying in a steaming stream of piss to the hard
0: stony ground. Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, yeah, compliments on your South African accent too there. Genie uh, I was oh, saying, David Nagoya says, too many exclamation marks. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Claire says that too. Too many exclamation marks. Bang, 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 bang. Um, we, we used to call them screamers in the advertising business. And uh, I, I had lots of uh, debates with, uh, you know, when I crossed over to uh, book publishing, I had so many debates with editors and they hated exclamation marks, basically, especially in titles. And I fought for them, but... So I'm kind of a fan of Screamers, but I have to say, there's too minutes here. Um, okay, says PJ, this is my brain, but I see a seal that looks like a certain recently crowned king. Hmm. Oh dear, says LA Thomas' blood needs so much work. Carol, I'm not sure about uh, the title of a thriller. How does it relate to the story? LA goes on to say, too many exclamation marks suggest the writing needs a lot of work. And Matt says, okay, HRH-sanctioned human hunting seems on point. Um, I think all Americans, says Matt, secretly believe HRH sanctions human hunting. Yeah. Uh, is there a problem with that? I mean, pheasant hunting? Peasant hunting? Pretty much the same thing. Um, gee, Vagamont says, sorry, that blurb is out of work. Hannah says, lots of names in the blurb. Title very generic. I got confused about those names. So I couldn't remember more. Claire says, I quite like the title. Double meaning loads of characters in the blurb says jan um james says title i thought a real seal that is royal <laughs> that'd be a children's picture book wouldn't it actually <laughs> uh too, too many names in the blurb carol says that too so lots of people are saying that pamela J it's all the peasant dna matt jungian memory oh right they're off on the, uh, the peasant hunting thing uh birth naked is the same as naked, right says l a Thomas I don't understand that, but i think I think uh, I think you may understand Tim um good start with action and dialogue, says Claire. but too many adjectives and telly emotions. Matt says this is a thrilling opening um l a Thomas says, I don't know what the Shambok is, oh, I think it's a South African africana uh whip, I think it's a very nasty instrument I've seen them I've seen them in use, the horrible. Um, nice accent work there, says Johnny. Johnny just said, of course, Jeff. um, Must praise a great reading. Well done, Jeff, says Matt. And David says, I think Tim might benefit from rationing adjectives and adverbs a bit. And Vagabond says, good reading, but it's quite unpleasant. I put it down after the gay boy comment. Yeah. Uh, Pamela says, certainly in media res, but not somehow grabbing me. Maybe we need to know more about the main character before we care about the maggot. And Jen says, maggots, eep, breakfast is over. Right, (laughs) Tiffany. Um,
3: So I thought that this blurb reflected a lot of what I felt could be strengthened in the submission itself, which is that um, the point of view wasn't... Could be clarified. I think I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure. This is another omniscient story, which is fine, but I I didn't have enough information to understand whose story it was. And we have so many characters in both the blurb and the submission that it feels a little bit like we're skipping around, and it might let it it doesn't let the reader plant their feet in the story. You do have this great idea of um, it's great premise. You know, it's a the gay couple in a situation where probably that's not politically okay and it's fraught and there's the cultural issue. I thought maybe we're handling it a little bit on the nose. Maybe there's a way to do it um, to back off a little bit, both from the, the purplish prose itself. I, I think mm. you have a good setup and I think you, you are strong enough as a writer to be able to convey the stakes and the tension and the suspense without having to, underscore it so much with the adjectives and the description. Um, So I would say lean more into the characters and the, the horror of what's happening and how it's experienced as opposed to trying to describe it in such powerful language that it comes across is, you know, you do the same thing with the exclamation points. It's almost yeah. like you're telling so. us how exciting this is. Let us feel that with the character. And I think you might draw us in more strongly, but yeah. uh, good place to begin the story if you, if you draw us in more directly.
0: Thank you, Tiffany. I is saying, uh, LA Times says this needs an edit. It was confusing at times, but it does have a hook. <coughs> Excuse me, James says, started strong, then slowed. David Maguire says it's an exciting hooky scene, which is the important bit, but needs fewer words, <coughs> less explanation. And Carol says, the scene certainly has attention. Grabbing suspenseful action makes a, a visceral impact, but I found it utterly, utterly sickening and PC Frontier. Sorry, this is not throwing me. What about establishing the main character? Of course, what, just what Tiffany's saying. And plot first. Um, and Matt says, a man getting ready to run for his life as he's pursued by hunters. That works. Backstory, I fell out of it. And Claire says, yeah, bad guys say nasty things. Um, Make us dislike them even more. Great advice from Tiffany. There says Jan Johnny.
2: Yeah, I think this had a, one of the faults that one of the earlier subs had. Um, in as much as it started pretty strongly, um you know, we've got a good sort of. It's almost a pantomime body, but he's a body anyway, and, he, and he's well, <clears throat> well portrayed. This guy's uh, got no no saving graces about him. This Uber guy, uh, all that was well done. But then all of a sudden we went into like a big chunk of backstory. Yeah. And it, it seemed to be a totally to- a totally different point of view. And I, I think it, that, it, that little bit, that bit of it, I think it was a couple of paragraphs, read a little bit like stage directions for me. It, it, was, yeah. it was little that he knows that she knows that I know that, you know, it, it was a little bit like that. And, and it kind of threw me out of it at the end. Um, I, I think though, you know, with a bit of work and, and a bit of redrafting, that, and, and if we need to, obviously we, we'd need to know these things, but, you know, that's the old thing of, drip them into the into the main narrative don't just give us a chunk of of you know by the way reader you need to know this uh let us discover that when we're reading it really rather than you know just just uh it could almost be a sidebar that piece um yeah it was the writing was 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 pretty good and and i i was with it up to that point and i thought that, that sort of just jumped me out of it a bit
0: yeah it's a bit wilbur smith isn't it do you remember wilbur smith
2: I know the I know the author, but I've not read any of his stuff. No, it, it has was, got that sort of. Yeah. It does have that kind of, you know, the, the John, not John Grisham, but who's the guy who writes uh, the military stuff? Is Annie Knab or something like that. Uh, it's mean, it's, that it's kind Gnab, of it's yeah. it, it, it's sort of sitting maybe in that, that part of the that part of the uh, bookshelf in in in, in, a, in a yeah shop, perhaps. yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, it's
0: that
2: sort of it, it's that sort of thriller, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is, I and mean, it feels a bit old-fashioned to me. Wilbur Smith and his day was a huge, huge bestseller. I'm not Ooh. sure that uh, the market is, is in Wilbur Smith territory anymore, though. Let's look at the numbers. 57, Tim. Got any thoughts, comments, questions or whatever? Ask them now or forever? No, actually, you can't. You can you can ask questions at any point, obviously, inside the colony. Um, but while you formulate your response, I'm going to look at some. I think I know where the winner is. Oh, that's interesting, actually becky's numbers have gone down one which does happen as people vote actually as more and more people vote in the uh, genius room if they vote slightly lower than the average then your number will go down but nevertheless it does mean we have a very very clear show. Well done, Becky? lots of good things said about your submission today very publishable i totally agree with that and um what a nice panel actually it's great i've just had such a nice time i wish we had another dozen submissions but you know we can't because we need toilet breaks and things like that i'm trying to
2: to pull back pete i'm trying
0: to pull back oh you've got you've got the big head today i've got the big head yeah yeah. we always always have uh, someone on who's got a very big head um tiffany mm-hmm. thank you so much for being with us let's just actually let's just flash up a your it. website because everyone i know everyone's thinking and you're a doll how do we get in touch with that tiffany this is how you get in touch with that tiffany foxprinteditorial.com you can find a the courses there and all kinds of other things too and there's a link through to tiffany's book um which i think is probably a good starting point actually Good starting mm-hmm.
3: point, I'd say. It's yeah, a great, pops- it's a big overview of all craft elements.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you can you can definitely get into Tiffany. T- t- how much is the book in Stanley? Because your courses are very economical. How much is the book?
3: I don't know in your country. No, no. It's uh, I think it's fourteen ninety nine here, paperback, and maybe nine ninety nine on Kindle, but don't quote me on that.
0: Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's close enough. Um, brilliant. It's quite reasonable. Uh, everything, everything about you is reasonable, apart from your talent, which is excellent exceptional so thank you for being on the show thank you johnny as well for being on the show thank you everyone behind the scenes as well a good shout out to to kate and of course emily who i see has joined us recently in the um in the genius room uh for controlling and running the entire narrative procedure and guys let's do this all again same time next week